I'm just really searching right now. I mean, my favorite professor doesn't even believe in God. And my roommate is part of this totally different religion that's it's actually pretty interesting to me. And then there's my boyfriend who just kind of picks and chooses from different religions. You know, I, I always thought I knew what I believed about God. Now I'm just not sure. Well, the good news is it doesn't really matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere. I shouldn't even have to tell you this, but God never said that. I do believe that sincerely look like it hurt. You got one on your hair. It's hilarious. That is awesome, by the way. Uh, it's so great. It's a great privilege for me to get to introduce, actually in person, uh, our new teaching pastor around here at Journey Church. Uh, Chris and I go way back. I knew him back when he was in high school. And uh, so we've trafficked a lot of life together, and I've got to watch his growth with the Lord and just his growth in his ministry ability. And so we're so thankful that he's here at our church. As I was thinking about how to introduce Chris, uh, what I wanted to say, and maybe, maybe it's a warning, I don't know. If you want to be really comfortable and cozy in your faith, Chris may not be your guy. He is going to challenge us and he's going to push us to love God more, to understand how we are loved by God more, and how we take that love of God and we put it into action with our faith. But it's with my great it's a great privilege to introduce my good friend, Chris Townley. Thanks, Bob. Love you. Thanks, guys. Let me just get a look at you for a second. Because this time, this time I, I came back a, a couple times over the last year, and then I knew I was leaving again, so like, I could say whatever I want, and then you had to deal with it. And, then, and now here I am, and now I get to deal with it. So... I'm excited to deal with it with all of you guys. Uh, thanks for the opportunity to serve as one of your pastors again. Uh, I, I can't wait to see what, what all of this will mean for, for all of us, myself included. Uh, honestly, I, I, got, I got in on Tuesday night. I'm still like a lit, little overwhelmed. Uh, it's a whirlwind in, in my life personally, but uh, there's something too about like being in a room with all of you that, that maybe writes the ship for just a, a moment for me. So, uh, Thanks for being here. Uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to continue to do in, in this family, but even in this very morning that we get to spend together. So uh, let, let's, let's get to that. I think I probably introduced myself enough. Bob introduced me enough. We'll get to know each other because I'm coming back, you know. And I, I also want to say thanks for hugging Derry last week. For those of you who were able to hug Derry on his way out, um, that, that was special for me to just like even get to be the piece to bridge uh, between all of that because Derry's meant a lot in my life as well. Okay, enough chit-chat. Let's, let's see what God might have to say to us today in our time of preaching. We're in a series now that you noticed in that video called God Never Said That, and today we're looking at the phrase from that video that it doesn't matter what you believe. God never said that it doesn't matter what you believe. And now while the premise of this topic is on the surface, in my opinion, essentially true, God did not say it doesn't matter what you believe, but we'll also find Maybe there's more to following Jesus than proper or right believing. But don't take my word for it because we're going to look at 
the book of James, the second chapter today, and he's got a little something to say to us about right believing. So I'm going to read James 2, 14 through 20 here, and then I'm going to pray, and then we'll dive into the scripture, and we'll see what the Holy Spirit might want to do with all of that. How's that sound? Okay, a couple of you are with me. That's great. We'll work on that as we go. Here's James 2, beginning in verse 14, James writing here. Here's what he has to say. He says, what good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say goodbye and have a good day, stay warm and eat well, but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now, someone may argue some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Let's pray. God, here we are welcoming you. We invite you to speak to each one of us individually that you would have something to communicate into our lives right now in this place, in this present moment. But God, I also pray that you would speak to us as a family, a church family, and that there might be something that you would want to say to us as a whole, as a body as well. I pray that you would give us ears to hear. I pray that we would set before you anything that might keep us from encountering you in authentic, real ways this morning, God. Help us to hear you, help us to know you more, help us to fall more in love with you and help us to live lives of action, God. God, I pray for me, I pray that you would give me your words to speak this morning and that I would not say anything that's not for you or from you, God, as we move to make much of you and glorify you. You are why we are here, we love you. We pray these things in your name, amen. Okay, let's set the the tension of, of right believing with what James, the brother of Jesus, had to say about faith and belief in verse 19. You may have caught it. Let me read it to you again. He said, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you, right? In James's like sarcastic manner, which is why I love him so. Good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. And so before we dive into the rest of what James has to say, let's allow a couple questions to just sit with us for a moment in that tension. What separates those of us who say we have faith from these demons that James speaks of? Right, we both have belief, so what separates us from the demons? If we both have the right belief, then what's the difference? Which there's a lot of tension there because my guess is none of us want to be teamed up with the demons. So in light of our, our focus today then, right, it seems that God is communicating that it does in fact matter what we believe, that that is important. But there must be more to it than right belief because even the demons believe there is one God. 
Even theirs is lined up. So James, the brother of Jesus, is writing this book. The book of James, you read the rest of it, it's very challenging, the whole thing. Encourage those, he's writing to encourage those in the Jerusalem church to follow the way of Jesus and his movement. Like this is the thing that it's all about. He writes as one transformed by the life of his own brother. I love that thought of where he's writing to us from. Because early in the life and ministry of Jesus, James was really skeptical about Jesus' claims to be the savior, the fulfillment of the Hebrew scriptures. He wasn't really like, no, my brother is probably not the guy he's saying he is. But when the spirit raised Jesus from the dead, James could no longer deny that Jesus was who he said he was. Just think about that. He grew up with Jesus. He watched him do all of these things. He's like, no, 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 no. I don't even care. Like all the miracles, that's great, Jesus. And then it was that moment that Jesus was raised from the dead. It all like flooded over him and clicked. And he's like, I'm all in. And so if anyone can challenge us to practice what we preach in the name of Jesus, I think it might be the humble brother of Jesus. I love that picture. And if that's not reason enough to chew on these words here in James 2, let's not forget that James' faith in Jesus, as one historian recounts, led him to being pushed off a cliff. That's what they called stoning. He fell from the cliff and he had not died and so they gathered up rocks and threw them at him, also known as stoning. And then someone came and hit him in the head with a club to make sure he was dead. That's how it all turned out for James, the brother of Jesus. He writes with a different kind of urgency. He writes with a different kind of transformation, a different kind of connection to the message of Jesus. So here's what he was writing again. We'll pick up in James 2 and verse 14 and we'll move our way through what we read. 14 says this. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith but you don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? And so in our English translations, what we do is we often find the words faith and belief being used interchangeably. Right, that, that they would mean the same thing. And so there's always this overlap of, of when it's being used. They, they come from the same Greek word that essentially means trust. Right, so there's something more full to that word of belief or faith. And so when we say we're believers, what we probably mean is those who trust Jesus with all of their being. Or that's what we should mean when we say we're believers. And so James is saying that there's, these things are all connected, right? The faith and the action. And that's actually right in line with what the Apostle Paul writes, which is much of our New Testament. And so don't get those two things confused, like what they're speaking to is contradicting one another. They're following the same trajectory, which is one that was modeled by the life and ministry and death and resurrection of Jesus. That's where James is getting this from. And so even if we could say it another way, Right, keep putting like some meat around all of what James is saying here. If someone doesn't show by their actions what they believe, that they believe in God, then that profession of faith is essentially worthless. Like if nothing follows it, then essentially that profession doesn't mean anything, which is kind of an interesting thing to think about today as we watched some very powerful baptism videos. And you could even like come back at 11 and five and watch more videos, by the way, if you wanted. And we keep seeing all of these lives that are so radically transformed by Christ. And what happens then is now those people are moved to action. 
Something happens after that, and that's essentially often how we know if it was a real transformation on some level. And so as striking as it really is, it's not the one who just says that they follow Jesus who is a believer, but the one who loves Jesus as Lord so much that they're prepared to risk even death because of their faith in him. That's what we see with James, right? So, so faith without good works is dead and faith with great works might leave you dead. Ultimately, which death will you choose? You get to choose the death that follows. James goes on though, verse 15. He says, suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds, but I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. Now, the first thing that I love about that is that James gives us this actual picture of an interaction of what faith in action might look like. Right? We, we, see, we see this scenario where there is a brother or sister who is hungry and cold and they're standing there. So the first thing that has to happen with faith in action is that you would see someone and say, there's a need. And then he says, how ridiculous would it be if you saw that person that was cold and hungry and you knew that, maybe you asked them, maybe they said something, maybe it was obvious, you saw them and you said, well, stay warm and eat well and have a good day and you walked away. Right, that, that, how does that help anybody? He says that's useless to say that to someone who has an immediate physical need right in front of you. It's a very powerful image for us to wrestle with because it could be any, any type of need that you and I encounter and see and what is our response to that when we come across it. And if we walk away and say, have a good day, well, then something was missing in all of that. I like the way that James K. Smith writes about it in a book that he titled, You Are What You Love. And I think James is issuing this very same challenge. You are what you love. And here's here's what I mean by that. We tend to assume that we are what we think. And so we assume our wants or the things that we desire or the things that drive us are like a conclusion to that argument. We are what we think and so then what we want is just like what would follow. And our minds are these information processors that we show up in places like this often and we open up our brains and we hope that the right beliefs become deposited into our heads And then we close up the processors and we expect the machines that we are to spit out the right behaviors and actions. Essentially what we do is we often think that holiness is an algorithm. If you just input the proper beliefs, well then a life of holiness will follow. Now, here's the thing, and I think the New Testament authors really grasp this. You can't simply think your way to holiness. You can't simply think your way to imitating the life of Jesus. 
You can't think your way there. Becoming formed to the way of Jesus isn't just about acquiring the right information. That's important. You need the right information for sure. But what it's really about is the rehabituation of our heart's habits. Is that our heart habits would have new forms to them. And that those would be in line with the way of Jesus. It's a matter of learning how to love rightly again, essentially. You deposit something new, but now you have to learn how to use that in a way that has feet in this world. And here's the thing that's crazy about that. It takes practice. It takes practice. And I think we don't say that enough. In, in church and in, in faith, this takes practice. So like this idea of your whole heart and life and being aligned with the way of Jesus will take some practice. You don't immediately go, boom, I know how to do everything all the time. You keep practicing it. And here's what's great. This practice often takes place within the safe community and training ground that is a church family. It takes place in this, within this body. It takes place within missional communities. It takes place in all of those spots where we get to practice living this life. And so we're forming in those places new habits of love. Because to love God is to love your neighbor. And so you've got to surround yourself with people to find out that those loves actually cost you something. And like I said, James gives us this picture of clarity on how to practice this rehabituation of our heart's habits in verses 15 through 17 that we just read. This encounter where you come across a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you get to practice what it means to have your heart formed to the way of Jesus. The training ground is right there in front of you. Ironically enough, the training ground is all around us right now if we would just see one another and be with one another and interact with one another and know one another. We'll find that the rehabituation of our heart's habits will follow. That that's a little heady. Here's how Lilla Watson says it. She says, if you have come here to help me, you are wasting your time. But if you have come because your liberation is bound up with mine, then let us work together. What a beautiful picture. Let us come together because when we love and serve and meet the needs of others, we find that we ourselves are being set free to be the person that God created us to be. And it's this constant cycle. And so let's take this whole thing now a full circle to where we started and James writes this in verses 19 and 20. He says, you say you have faith, for you believe that there is one God, good for you. Which is, it's, it's like cutting. It's funny until we're like, realize what he's saying, right? There's some cut to that. He says, good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. How foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Like we said earlier, faith without good deeds is dead. And faith with great deeds might leave you dead. Which death are we going to choose? There's something about faith and action that will cost us something. I think we'll find on the other end of that, it's actually worth it, but counting the cost up front is something we don't love to do. 
So let me, if I can, let me, let me try and give some flesh to all of this and look at what's presently going on in our country. So can I, can I talk about the last weekend in Charlottesville for a moment? Because what we witnessed in Charlottesville was the violent actions of white supremacists and white nationalists, the, the alt-right and neo-Nazis who we were watching attack the image of God that was present in all people. And the demonic spirit of hate and racism present in these groups isn't one that we coddle, but we cast out. We, we say, go away to that spirit. The spirit is not to be among us. The only supremacy for those of us who profess faith in Jesus and Lord, as Lord and Savior is the supremacy of Christ. That's the only supremacy for us. And so it should be obvious to us that, that those of us who profess to be a faithful Christian, yet yeah, maybe some who align with the march of supremacy of whiteness, those things don't go together. Faith and good deeds are now disconnected. Because the reality of the racial tension in our world is that there's not a single one of us who has escaped the, the circulating narrative that says some people are more than and other people are less than. We all find ourselves caught up in that. And James is speaking to that in that little scenario that he gives us. You don't help the person in need because you think of them as less than and you as more than. You come together and find out that your liberation is all tied up together. And so it's important for us then as followers of Jesus to reject white supremacy and the narrative of racial difference that fuels it. But it's also important, and I speak this to myself as well, to simultaneously self-reflect and examine our hearts. Is our identity truly found in the supremacy of Christ? We have to continually ask ourselves that. If so, the actions of our faith must begin to move toward the oppressed and the marginalized. And we must embrace the need for unity over uniformity in the beloved community that is a glimpse of the coming kingdom of God. So my prayer, Holy Spirit, right? May each of us hear and hold on to what it is you need to say to us. And may we allow you, Holy Spirit, to transform us and reconcile us to one another. Would that be our heart? And for the sake of closure, James wraps up this section on faith and good works like this. Verse 21 he reaches back into their history and their understanding, his original audience of what faith means. And he says, don't you remember that our ancestor Abraham was shown to be right with God by his actions when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see, his faith and his actions worked together. His actions made his faith complete. And so it happened just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God, which is a really encouraging thing to hear. 
So you see, you are shown to be right with God by what you do, not by faith alone. Rahab the prostitute is another example. She was shown to be right with God by her actions when she hid those messengers and sent them safely away by a different road. Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is dead without good works. James has a challenging word for us. And here's the thing in all of that. It matters what we believe. It does. Our faith matters, right? That's why the creeds are important that Christians have recited for hundreds and hundreds of years. The Apostles' Creed, which is actually born out of the Apostle Paul's words in 1 Corinthians 15, because that's connected to what the Apostles of Jesus were preaching over and over again, reminds us that it does in fact matter what we believe. Here's what it says. It reads like this. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic that is universal church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Amen. This matters. And although Orthodox belief is the the foundation of our common confession as followers of Jesus, it's not good enough to merely mouth the words of the creed. As followers of Jesus, we must back up what we say with what we do. Otherwise, whether we like it or not, right, our words will be disregarded and condemned for the hypocrisy that they are. So what does this mean for us? Might mean a lot of things up to this point. I realize that a lot's been said. There's much to chew on or wrestle with, but, but maybe let me even help us process that a little bit. Like, let me first then re- remind us that our lives are, are shaped not only by the things that we think, but by the habits that we keep. The very things that we do in all of the little places of our lives, those things define who we are and what we're about, maybe more so than we ever even realize. And so imagine this then. As a, as a, as a family of God, as a, as a church family, imagine if we didn't try to please ourselves and instead we built up our neighbor. Imagine if we were to bear one another's burdens and work for harmony and join in one unified voice to the glory of God. Imagine if we welcomed others as Jesus welcomed us. Imagine if unity in the body of Christ didn't mean uniformity, but we instead embraced one another as the multi-ethnic family of God that we are. The thing is, I believe that the, the rhythms and the practices of the body of Christ are these tangible gifts of God, a God who loves us and who wants to recapture our hearts so that we can love God and learn to love what God loves. All of those things happen in community. And so, Journey, let us be people who devote ourselves 
to the body of Christ, the multi-ethnic family of God, so that we might find the grooves where our heart goes and that we might desire the paths our hearts were made for. Let us be people who live our faith with humble, sacrificial action, just like the Jesus we profess to follow. Let's let that be what defines us. Let's spend a few moments in quiet reflection. You can set stuff aside. You can bow your head, however you want to talk to God in this space. And just let some of this settle on you. Ask him what it is he's saying to you. Maybe this is a moment in which you need to repent. Maybe this is a moment in which you just need to sit in the quiet and the stillness and the reminder that you're loved by God. Let that be true too. Or maybe there's a challenge that the very Holy Spirit that we've invited into this place to speak to us is issuing to you right now. Be honest about that and I'll pray for us in a moment. God, here we are this morning. We belong to you. Each one of us, a picture of who you are, each one of us stamped with the image of God. Many of us here, your children. God, we humbly acknowledge that you are good, that you love us. And God, we we submit to you. We surrender our lives to you. We ask that you would do the work of transforming us so that we might become more like your son, Jesus. We ask that you would heal us so that we might go out and be agents of healing to others. We ask that you would reconcile us with one another in our families and in our communities and in our workplaces and in our country and in our world, that your global church would be united And that we would all look to you and call to you and ask for you to guide us. God, give us courage. Give us boldness. To be followers who act. To follow in the way of your son, Jesus. That our our faith would be made complete in action, God. Pray that we would humbly serve. I pray that we would never think of others as less than ourselves. I pray that you would make us one. God, let our faith, a faith in you, the God who sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, the God who raised his son Jesus from the dead, Let that faith remind us that because now your Holy Spirit is present within us, we can be the very people who act. 
Help us to practice our love, learn it, grow it, deepen it, God. And may we always be rooted in you. May we be people of you who are all about radical love and action, God. We love you. We love who you are. We thank you for this time this morning. Continue to be with us as we worship. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this time has allowed you to dig out more of who God has made you to be. If you made some kind of spiritual decision today and are interested in what's next, we'd love to connect with you. For more information or to get in touch, please visit journeyweb.net. If you're interested in supporting our ministry, you can give online at journeyweb.net slash give. Thanks.